Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, is a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. That's just refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. There's Fester. (laughs) See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, you know what? I'd actually debate that with you. (laughs) It is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. uh, Let's make that clear. (laughs) I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Now, welcome. We go once again. A slight tangent is coming at you. A slight tangent at offtheball.com is where you can get us, as many of you have. Too many emails. We are inundated. Uh, but thank you all the same. And some topics of our own as well. Mick McCarthy has a few bees in his bonnet. Michael, hello. As always, Joe. Good evening. Willow Callahan, hello. Evening, lads. It's a good complaint to have to too many emails, which also guarantees if your comment is read out now, your email has passed the standard test. Oh, that's true. Do we need to invest in some kind of mug or T-shirt? Or an intern to read through them before we have to read them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 you are really passing so many different types of tests, as in, like, is your point good? Yeah, that's like fifth or sixth down the list. Can I read your email? Can I do it quickly? <laughs> some kind are you get, is, your, is it well written? Some kind of AI to go through the, I know. the dross. Gaps in paragraphs, guys, very important. A big page of writing is just a blur. It's okay. very hard to read. Okay. I'm not against the tangent cup, by the way. You become a tangent ear if your email is read out or something along those lines. Very good. Dr. O'D is on secondment. So secondment. the people's champion. <laughs> In the Yukon. The backbone of OTB AM is how he asked me to introduce him. It is Colin Buig back again for a Woo! second time. Needs Second time. You must, wow. been, you must not have been that bad the first time. Wow, wow, wow. You had it in the palm of your hands this week. Uh-huh. You had Dave McIntyre. Yeah. You had him available. Slipped through my fingers. And look where we are now. You know, the first time I said it was kind of like uh, John Frusciante, because he was a fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers. But of course, he joined the band. Huh. I never joined them. This is more like when uh, someone's asked to guest host our guest appear on Saturday Night Live for the second time. Mm-hmm. So I take it as a bit of a compliment. Huge you're, not, you're not a Paul Simon levels yet, but... Yeah. Or, you know, the Oasis got a bass player, a new bass player around the time they did the Wonderwall video and he only lasted two weeks, but he's forever in the Wonderwall video. Wow. Good two weeks work. So there you go. Yeah. What was his name, Colm? Huh? What was his name? I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very welcome. So we'll get to various bits and pieces. Uh, by the way, just a quick addendum to the scoring charts conversation we had last week where we, we were arguing if, you know, from free or from play mm. is of major importance. And I only bring this up because they agree with me. I hasten to add. <laughs> but I was listening to the football pod and Tommy was reading out the scoring charts from play to James O'Donoghue and Paddy Andrews. And it was Colin Basquel and Con and Clifford. And then Tommy said, and do you want the scoring charts overall, like freeze included? To which James O'Donoghue thankfully said, no, complete. Who cares? Irrelevant. And Tommy said, no, I'll just read it out for you. He said, I don't care. And Paddy Andrews weighed in, irrelevant. <laughs> Doesn't matter, freezer irrelevant. So I thought, lads, dead right. Throwing shade at Dean Rock right there. Yeah, well. Hello, Joe, and your fellow tangentlemen. 
I'll keep this short. In each of the last two A Slight Tangents, you've introduced the show by declaring five, six weeks in a row. They said it couldn't be done. Since I can't find one single person who said it couldn't be done, I'm <laughs> fully <laughs> expecting you to be managing an intercounty team this time next year. <laughs> All jokes aside, keep AST coming every week. Best slot on the show, Martin. Uh, the person who says it's not going to happen is generally me off air. Yes. That's the person who says it couldn't be done. I don't think it should be done, but here we are. Oh, so to follow that analogy through about the intercounty manager, basically what you're saying is that John Kiley saying that Limerick have been softened up and been saying they're no good, is it's actually coming from John Kiley. Yeah. And then he's, and then he's complaining about it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I shoot us down off air all week, say it wasn't very good, say don't know if we do it next week and then Ooh. here we are. Oh, you want ah, about you, 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 make you make yourself sound horrible. You want about this? This segment. This thing, this is all I hear about all the time like everyone oh I love a slight tangent do you do that it's like, yeah off the ball does yeah <laughs> yeah it's really good yeah. seven, it's class. seven in a row we've beaten seven today yeah but it's not the actual band you know no, no. Only slight tangent no. is a slight tangent oh, come here do you know what happened I before? think you're, you're like there's a there's a kind of uh, a spiritual six Ronan Mullen gets a nod as a founding father there's the oh, core yeah. there's the core four I forgot and then your first sub First sub. No, well, only because, yeah, well, Mullen's gone up north again. Like, But come here. Um, do you know what I um, meant to say to you there? I came in and was like, Mick, wow, look at that bottle. That's unbelievable, that bottle that you have there. I never knew those existed around these parts. Yeah. Look at that for the, for the viewers, bottle. for the non-viewers. It's, it's just lovely. Anyway, I went out there just before just before we started recording and Will is like, hey, kid, catch through the bottle. Yeah. Everyone, Welcome to the team. You're not on News Talk most of the time, but here you are. Everyone today. in the office has one. I hate to break it to you. Oh, we don't anyway, but I thought it was a classy touch from Will. Listen, it was, we're it trying was our to gift to you for saving the slight tangent streak. The streak. Uh, let's get into things then. So, um, Michael, I know, wants to talk to you, Diego. Before that, as a brief extension to our guest, I suppose, let's let him pick a topic. You sent a WhatsApp of a list of various things. We chewed it around here, agreed that most of them weren't great. So <laughs> Hold on. the one that we're happy to go with is Colin Buig wanted to discuss this evening the one sports book that made you go, wow, wow, wow. And we thought that was an interesting way of pitching it. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it scary? I don't know. So uh, the one sports book that made you, Colin Buig, go, wow, wow, wow. I'm, ve- I'm all ears. Go on. Paul Merson, How Not to Be a Professional Footballer. Okay. I've read it seven times. Ah, Colin. Did it get better on the fifth? Has Paul Merson read it once? (laughs) (laughs) The font is very (laughs) user-friendly. Nicely spaced out, but the stories are phenomenal. Written in 2010. Oh. Um, So he wasn't long retired, but it's remarkable that this guy had such a high-level career and high-achieving career considering what he was doing to himself. Mm. And he's incredibly transparent about everything. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I look at sports people, especially talented ones, and I'm like, you know, they're kind of alien to me. How can I relate to these people? They're not, they don't live like I live. And then this guy's basically living like the average person who has an average job, but is just incredibly high achieving. I, I understand and acknowledge that it was easier to do it at that time and people weren't generally as fit as they are now. If you look at the footballer's body, the typical body of a footballer yeah. in the 90s, they take off the shirt after the match. It's like they're not exactly ripped compared to now. Having said that, there was a lot of players doing what he did and didn't achieve anywhere near as much. Highly recommend it to anyone. Don't have to be a football fan. Dare I say, don't have to be a sports fan. It's like, how honest can a human being be in a couple of hundred pages? And he takes that challenge on. I take my cheap quip uh, back then. I haven't heard much about that book. Well, it looks cheap. Yeah. Because the front cover is Mars's face on a Stella can. And he's smiling. Right. 
So you think, oh, not going to listen for anything. And scream serious treatment. So, you know, it's a bit red top. I read a Paul Walsh autobiography. How many, well, how many does he have? Well, I don't know, but this one I think was around the 1998 World Cup. He was playing with Phil at the time. It wasn't as profound as what yeah. Colin has suggested. And can I ask in 2010, because I would say Paul Gascoigne's had a few. I read his too. There were a couple. And I felt there was a degree, certainly with one of them, of, and now I've got everything sorted out and everything's great and it's a story of redemption neatly packaged and there'll be no more trouble for me left. And and that didn't quite ring true. Well, Merce does not say that. Interesting. At all. Okay. He leaves it being like, I don't know what's going to happen. Ah. And I believe he's in a good place now. Okay. But he's had his ups and downs the last 13 years since he wrote that book. But you know why I said the wow, wow, wow thing? Yeah. So you put it down and I suppose the test of a good book is are you thinking about it after you stop reading? Or do you just read to go to sleep or read as a hobby? I was putting this down and it took up a lot of my thoughts for the rest of that day. I was like, how did he do that? Mm. Like he's talking about England, Judy, under Graham Taylor, how he didn't get kicked out of the camp. Like, probably can't even say this on national radio, some of the stuff he was doing. And he's so blasé about it. Whoever ghostwrote it actually is very, ghostwrote it is very, very good at like capturing the Merce voice that we know from Soccer Saturday and Sky Sports in general. Because it really is like he's re- writing it himself. Mm. And it really is like a diary of Paul Merce and the footballer. And you're left thinking like, if this guy walked into a modern dressing room, he'd be laughed out of it okay. in terms of his dedication or lack thereof. But he's not his talent. What a player. Well, that's why I was drawn to it. Very likable man, I think. So likable. Mm. Yeah. What behaviour are we talking about? I know you say you can't give the specifics here. Is this like just off the field? Is he cancelled by 2023 standards? Not really cancelled. No, he doesn't. He's not hurting anybody else, really. It's more like his levels of drinking. And then he talks about the 10 months he was addicted to cocaine. And the levels he would go to to score, like um, he would go around nightclubs like 2 a.m. just asking people like any chance. And he was, this is the height of his Arsenal time. They just won the Cup Winners' Cup. Like. So the, his, his drug year was, it was a year, it was February 1994 until basically the very start of 1995. And do you remember he had that really famous press conference yeah. where he broke down yeah. in tears? Yeah, that was him. He literally went in that morning to Arsenal be like I, I'm sorry, I can't I can't keep this a secret anymore because yeah. it wasn't just drugs it was the gambling and the drinking as well wow. so he had all the vices amazing and he said like you know he's gone back on the like he's a terrible problem with gambling he only did a documentary there last year on the BBC and he was been drinking on and off but the one thing he never touched again according to himself is the after 10 months of cocaine he was like never again Okay. and he was told if you don't go to rehab this Christmas that was Christmas 94 mm. you won't be here next year for next Christmas and then and then he goes back playing and then he excels on the pitch and Arsene Wenger comes in and he turns his life around for a few years at least until he goes to Middlesbrough and rooms with Paul Gascoigne. Then he's is back again. Is that what happened? Is it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. He was a brilliant player at Villa when he was probably past his best but Jesus he was a beautiful player to watch beautiful. and lo- lovely guy to have on your team if you know what I mean. It's funny you mentioned about him being likeable right and Colin mentions uh the Graham Taylor era you know the Graham Taylor documentary there's just a lovely moment that, that I feel like it's just such a nice selfless moment in that in that where Ian Wright scores the late equaliser in that game in, I think it was Poland wasn't it and Merson was in the squad but wasn't uh wasn't on the bench mm. so there's a group of guys in their tracksuits who are in the stand so they're all in the right in the dressing room with a shirt off and just like can't believe what happened and then this the squad guys come down into the dressing room they're about 10 minutes behind and Merson runs in and he's just the guy who's like he's so happy for his mate 
You know what I mean? He's like, ah! And right, he looks up and completely changes his demeanor. He goes from the, well, what happened to all excited and they all start hugging and dancing. And nice. it's just one of those things like Merson's obviously there at England duty. He's not even in the squad, yeah, really. That's He's not, uh, and, an impossible job. Yeah, an impossible yeah, job. Yeah. And if, if, by the way, that's on YouTube. You should watch that yeah. once a year. <laughs> so, GA Go, you said you want to talk GA Go. I think it bubbled up this week on account of the we games did, on yeah. Saturday being behind closers. I wasn't as, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I did it on the Sunday paper review. Eamon Sweeney was very critical of the deal. Uh, so like Sweeney's argument was very much these games should just not be behind closed doors. David Clifford's been on once this year. This is crazy. Mick Foley wrote about it in the Sunday Times. He came more at it from the point of view of the RTE controversy that we're in the midst of mm-hmm. and the joint ownership here and really can RTE with uh, board members and GA go and part of RTE, can they really turn to the taxpayer, the licence fee payer and say, well, we're fighting tooth and nail to get you the best games. And also by the same token, make sure that GA go is a success and has good games. There is a very direct conflict there, which I think people are aware of. So that was the tone of Sunday. Mm. Were you more in the Eamon Sweeney? I just can't believe the GA is doing this, Fane. Was that what was angry? Yeah, I think I think if you read Eamon's piece, like I'm... I'm I've never been madly against the sharing of rights and that not all games can be on free to air. But I do think this is in some ways slightly even different from the Sky deal. And the Sky deal, I feel like, had a lot more vitriol against it. And there was an element of, I don't know whether it was anti-Britishness or something akin to it that was there when it comes to the GEA, you know. But, like, even I saw Armagh and Monaghan in the pub on... Saturday night. I don't know if this is the case everywhere because I think there might be a deal but let's face it most people most pubs are probably doing it this way where I went in and the place was covered with Formula 1 25 televisions I'm like what's going on here why aren't they showing this game it's going to a penalty shooter maybe they don't have GEA go and then they had it on one TV where everybody was gathered around at the back because I presume it was the only way they could stream it it's not like just having Sky Sports that's a tiny thing but it's just again it's a point that it is different the broadband issue around the country the assumption that people are just able to use uh, a streaming service in this day and age because people making the decisions in Dublin can I think is, is a bit rich and then Absolutely. It comes down to the fact that, you know, you make a, the GEA make their broadcast deals. They're trying to get in their money whatever way they can. You can argue about them. I'm, I, I can see both sides of those arguments. I'm happy to have them, right? But from RTE's point of view, you're an investor in this. You're a 50-50 investor. You have D Forbes was on the board of it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how can you say there isn't a conflict of interest there when the games are chosen all the all all the monster hurling games that were on earlier in the season, choosing these quarterfinals, everything having the fact that you have the fact that RTE own half of this company and still the right deal remains the same as it was with Sky, where two quarterfinals in the football and all four remember preliminary quarterfinals initially until Galway and Mayo drew each other and they went hold on a second and gave RTE a bonus game. All four were supposed to be behind the paywall, so. When the championship gets knockout, when we're waiting for it all year, it's all we've been talking about, how good it'll be when it gets knockout, there are 11 games left at that point, right, in the championship. There's no replays, there's 11 games, mm. and six of them, more than half, are down for Diego. I think you have to seriously look at who's benefiting from that. And is it enough? Is it fair? Is it fair or is it not fair? The one thing I'd say, Diego, and we should get into it, is I actually think their coverage has been brilliant. I actually think I got it early on because I felt like I had to. Three of Clare's Munster Hurling Championship games were on it. I really had no choice. Mm. 
they got me that was their plan as Don Logue would put it and fair enough I paid the 80 euro and I've watched a ton of games that wouldn't be otherwise available there is room for this there is absolutely a place for those extra games for the hardcore fan that will pay for it I don't think we should be putting knockout games the end of the championship where things really matter and where there's a massive demand for it where RT would show them we're not in the I'm going to stop talking now I'm sorry but we're not in the kind of like Declan McBennett there's no we don't, we don't pass the 100,000 uh, threshold for like League of Ireland games like he's talked about before we're well over that for all of these games that we're talking about here and look maybe that should be the threshold is there a, is there a public interest in this and should therefore it be on free to air at least television if not definitely RT it makes it the nub of the issue, which is even in the circumstance where the bonus game was given just a couple of weeks ago for Mayo against Go in the preliminary quarterfinals, you have this very unusual situation where if they were two competing broadcasters, there would have been a lot of back and forth about that. But in a way, RT are deciding with the company where they've already got a 50% share, we're just going to put on an additional game. And the 50% shareholder is the GEA who decide what games you can show. Like if you ever were thinking about a conflict of interest, there it is right there that a bonus game can just be given. And it calls all the other decisions into question because the core nature of GA Go has changed so much over the last two or three years. Like ultimately GA Go was meant to be about streaming in overseas territories initially when it was set up. Then during COVID, it was to add additional games to the TV deal and because people couldn't get to matches due to the COVID restrictions. And now it is purely a commercial beast with the intention of driving as many subscribers as you possibly can. So the idea of what GEA Go was originally has changed fundamentally since. I think the question marks are going to come over it even more so after what's happened with RTE in the last couple of weeks. It's probably bad timing for both GEA Go and for RTE for this to be up in the air at the time where we're in the business end of the season. And the reality is, like we spoke about it when this agreement was written, that the two quarterfinals in the football were going to be exclusive to GEA Go because essentially it was Sky's old deal that they were taking over. So we knew when it was flagged flagged a long way out but the reality hits just the week before the game when people realise what matches are going to be behind a paywall so therefore this is going to be the discussion coming out of the back of let's say season one of this yeah. type of GA go and I think because of what's happened there and because of now you've got you know the association of D Forbes having been on the board and all that kind of extra little strands to the story it's going to make it very difficult, I think, for the GA to continue on with the deal in its current state, albeit it is signed for five years. Yeah, I they, think it's uh, so then, stupid. Whatever, like, I agree with everything that Mick and Will have said there. We covered this in the performance rankings yesterday in the morning show. Why was there no Saturday game highlights? Mm. So there's a large cohort of the country, like, if you're Kerry, Tyrone, Armagh, Monaghan, you're not seeing any of that match. None of it. You're reading about it. Folklore. You might listen to it. Mm. You might listen to coverage of it. You might get analysis of it. People may have come to us for it and heard it on the radio. Was it the late throw-in and it no, wasn't no, but not, until 9pm? Whatever PM. about that. Like, the GA goal thing, as Will pointed out, everybody knew this was coming and then it hit them when it actually came. Okay, fine. That happens. And then as you say, late throw-ins, people might have plans on Saturday night. Fine. You accept that. But like, okay, well, we'll record the highlights that we were promised. So like, the Sunday game is a complete mess total mess like it's two hours of a programme that's way too fast they don't get anything done properly they're racing through the games they show about what three and a half to four minutes of the match itself they hire pundits to come on and talk about it so they're justifying the payment of those pundits who talk about the game twice the length of the game then they throw to an ad break I will be back with the next game it's so tiring to watch it's on half nine on a Sunday night not many people are staying up to watch it Oftentimes, your team will be last of course like our man Monaghan were on Sunday night 
So you don't have it they on TV. Sunday's games first. Which was crazy. Like they, they start with Dublin Mayo on the Sunday game. So you're a person who doesn't have access to Diego or chooses not to. You don't have the Saturday game highlights. Fine, Sunday game, I wait for that. Then you have to watch what you just watched already that day. And you have to wait until 10 past 11 on a Sunday night to watch your team. And by all accounts, I was told by a massive Monaghan fan who was a fan of the show, said they did not show exactly what actually happened in full from that game. So if you were coming to it for the very first time watching those highlights, you wouldn't have got a full picture. It's crazy. That's GA highlights in general, which yeah. we've talked about before. The thing that talk about again. surprised me, Colin, was in the end, we only ended up with a handful of Saturday game programmes. Yeah. When there was so much fanfare about this when the deal was signed, was that was the Saturday idea. game was going to take the pressure off Sunday and there's going to be 99 championship games this year and now we're going to have a dedicated Saturday programme. And then the first week where I was waiting for it to happen was when Claire and Limerick was behind the paywall in the hurling at the I start of the Monster Championship. And I thought, this is perfect. Half past nine, Saturday game. Anyone who couldn't get it's after hearing that the All-Ireland champions have just been beaten. No Saturday game. And then I was surprised when I heard Damien Lawler announce a couple of weeks ago, that's what's done for the season on the Saturday game. It's probably thinking, so we're going to have two football quarterfinals next week. You're going to have a hurling semi-final. Surely this is the perfect opportunity in the prime audience who'd want to tune in for a highlights programme and the rug is gone. How many Saturday games were there? I think it was six or seven in the end. It was only just a handful, though. Well, we'll see where it goes. I think your point about six and 11, it's a big figure. Now, it ended up the other way around, obviously, because of Galway. Yeah, but 50%, Mayo, but yeah, really. Yeah. And I agree with you, Will, on the timing of this is dreadful for RTE. Um, basically, this whole thing blew up a couple of months ago and it was only quelled by the fact that they said, OK, there's going to be an Oireachtas committee hearing on July 12th, which is now right upon us. Mm. And we're just going to have a conversation about broadcasting in sport. I think Virgin are going, TG Carr, everybody's thing, going. It's broken RTE. into effectively three panels. Yeah. So it was unlikely to get a huge amount of attention in a singular form anyway. But now, but now in light of where the doll are with RTE, mm-hmm. suddenly that becomes a much bigger conversation. So I think any leash that might have been there has probably been shortened massively. The highlights thing is interesting though because like say Six Nations, right? Yeah. You know, Virgin will show a game or whatever. It's on, it's like even, it could be an hour or two after sometimes and there's a highlight show on and it's like because some people don't see it live and it's just part of the service of it. I don't understand why we don't have that with GEA. We have a set time where the Sunday game is on. They've drawn the odd Saturday game but like say the, say the Limerick-Galway uh, game next weekend, why wouldn't that just be on uh, as a highlights thing an hour or two later you know it's again it's hard to understand really isn't it like it's an All-Ireland semi-final it's just like ah, wait, wait a day One of the few positives about GA Go that I actually really like if you are a subscriber is that all the games stay up there that can be re-watched right. pretty much instantly yeah, on online demand. which yeah. is fantastic I know for our purposes sometimes if you need to re-watch a game or watch something very specific on Sky that wasn't the case generally it could take quite a while for the full game to go up probably depending on who's in the office and Sky to actually put it up but it wasn't they weren't available on demand in the same quality that they are with GA Go right now it's one thing you would like about the service Two uh, quick hits before we go to a break and there are more topics to get to on the far side these are uh, fast-paced quick hits High jam, as in J-A-W-M. Joe, Arthur, Will, Mick. Although with Buick here, I don't know how that works. Jock. Uh, outside of the sports you regularly cover on OTB, what is the sport you most like, admire or love to watch? Best lot on radio. Aiden. What's your favourite sport? Out of the sports that I watch to cover here on the show. I don't watch, I don't have time to watch Manny outside of what I cover. We don't do much golf on the evening show, but we do lots on Golf Weekly, as the name suggests. So it's still work. So it's still work. I don't think I... I have time. I, I, I'm struggling to think of a single sport I watch that isn't, if yeah. I'm being honest about it, linked to how my Monday is going to shape up. 
Yeah, no, it's fair. Anyone else? Test cricket. Test cricket, okay. Are yeah, you saying nice. that just because it's on at the moment? Oh, no, no, it's <laughs> because the Ashes are on now, I'm watching but... a lot of cricket at the moment. Yeah. an email for you very shortly then. If okay, you're your I, I don't have a whole lot to grow for 2020. I like one day, but I will definitely sit down to watch Test Series. Uh, particularly, I tend to watch as much of the Ashes as I can, even when it's in Australia. Okay, cricket. Uh, basketball's <laughs> definitely up there. American football on Sunday night. Yeah, you'd be Ireland. American football. Yeah, American football would probably be my one, all right, yeah. Like, I was saying this to you before, like, when I started working in sport, like after two or three years, watching sport starts to feel a little bit like work. And it would it had always been the opposite of that. It was to get away from school or work or whatever. Uh, so I found that my draw for the Sunday nights with the American football, would work weekends at the time, get home wrecked on a Sunday evening and just plank myself down to watch seven hours or whatever of it. Yeah. it became such a refuge for me. And I got so into it at that time. Um, it's fading a little bit just because I can't stay up anymore <laughs> but uh, no I do yeah I'd say American football would be my answer because my the, to be honest the four main sports that we cover yeah. are the four main sports that I watch, watch and yeah. always have yeah. similar Colin Buig what do you got for us Euro sport that's not a, sh- that's not a you sport you throw it on at like two in the morning you get snowboarding you get a bit of tennis skiing, is your answer you get a it? bit of wow tennis. every time I'm away like if you be away uh, maybe like a weekend break somewhere you know and you throw on the TV when you get in after a night out, you're like, there's always snowboarding on somewhere. So it was trans- and I watched this and I was like, we will never, ever, I don't, we will never cover this, ever. I actually don't believe you watch it. I, I will throw it on. I no. find it very tranquil. I'd watch it. Yeah. I find it very nice. Also, my algorithm on TikTok and Instagram is full of uh, WWE old clips from the Attitude Era. It's not a sport. It's uh, athletic. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Predetermined athletic to, competition. Uh, to give you another answer that would probably make you happy is tennis. Yeah. Tennis, well, is, tennis your is your answer. It is your answer. That's not how, it's my third answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you watch. Snowboarding. Snow, it's so just, good. It's so good to watch. Like, it's so, such, so good. Nah, how do you get into snowboarding? That's such a good. How do you get into snowboarding? How do you get into... Who do, uh, I mean uh, this sincerely. Name me three snowboarders. Go. Obviously, I can't name... I'm, yeah, I'm watching for the love of the sport. Oh, the people, um, I'm not at all. What do you, what's your name? What do you mean by that? You don't watch snowboarding. I'd say if we could to, if we could tot up the minutes you spent watching snowboarding the last year, we'd get to about so you, uh, did you 18 drunken minutes at 2am <laughs> after one wedding. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't be weddings. No, no, it would be when you're away. Like, and it's, it's something very peaceful about it. They always seem so happy with life, too. Okay, I'm not buying it. And also, it's, it, there's so much to it. Like, there's so much skill to it. Well, thanks for pointing out the intricacies there. <laughs> so when you were young, like, no, 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 you, you move your hips. It's, a, it's very difficult. Like, have you been skiing? No. I've been <laughs> on the to-do it. list. Everyone. Yeah. Like, so you? skiing is quite basic I'd versus snowboarding. Snowboarding is, it's, there's so much to it. Like, and you can really damage yourself if you don't do it right. So a lot of respect for the art. No, I get of that. snowboarding. I get that. Were you a trans world sport kid then? Yeah. That's where this came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eurosport used to be channel uh, 15 and multi-channel. I used to live in it. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Because they, they also show a lot of tennis there. Ski Sunday. Ah, oh, I wish it was ski every day. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, what a sport. And it's a pity we don't have it here. Novak Djokovic learned his movement via skiing. That I thought he played sport. in an empty swimming pool. No, no, that was his first sport. Skiing was his thing. Djokovic. Is there a lot of guff about Djokovic and his methods? <laughs> There's empty Let's be swimming honest. pool. There's a lot of. There, there, oh, you, you, there you, is. Yeah. You, you want to know his secret? Free. Gluten-free and snowboarding, would you stop? And no vaccinations. Well, he had won, he had won Grand Slam uh, until he went gluten-free. Yeah. What age did he become gluten-free at? It was in 2011. So I'd say he's what? Ter- 36, 36, 36 now. now. So that's 12 years ago. So 24. 24. I find that very strange. He was always talented and people used to question his stamina. Federer had no time for him at the time. Mm. And then suddenly, changed his diet and wow. 
best player of all time well, via skiing I'm going to let that hang yeah. uh, we're taking a short break we're back with more of a slight tangent just one out you're welcome back uh, slight tangent coming at you you can get us at offtheball.com a slight tangent at offtheball.com it's me Will Michael and Colin Buig is in the house uh, a brief word are we um, sorry to see a real changing of the guard at Sky we've lost in the space of a summer Stelling Martin Tyler and now well done Jeff Shreves is gone at the end of this season it was just announced there today I'll never forget the moment when he was at Barcelona against Chelsea. Colin will definitely know this one. Who were the two players he told were suspended? Ashley was it Cole and uh, Ivanovic found out, or Vanovic found out Vanovic. from Jeff Shreves that he was banned for the Champions League? Why did Shreves get slack for that? I thought that was. I fine. just thought it was really funny. Was yes. the, to- the wording was fine. It was just the tone. That's all it was. And then uh, Ivanovic had to turn to Ashley Cole in comical fashion and be like, "What did he say?" My main memory of him is. Ferguson, if he hadn't peeved him off, saying, Well done, Jeff. That's mm. the Jeff Shreves era for me that I remember. Shreves used to take on Ferguson. A little bit, yeah. Used to take him on. It's a very tough job. Extremely tough. Because so, you've so got to you gotta see the same person the following week and the following week and the following week. You've got to take them on, but equally they need to like you enough that they might give you something of mm. themselves in the good times. Yeah. And that there, that is the double whammy. You can generally be one of those things, it's hard to be both. He did an okay job. He had, a, he had a great argument with McCarthy that time. When do you remember when Mick dropped all the players for oh, yeah. a Man United match when he was Wolves manager, and they won the next week, yeah. and Mick was coming out just ready for you know how many points do we have? How many points do we have? And Jeff's just asking questions. It was just a brilliant back and forth. The thing I would say about Jeff Shreves is like I agree that that's a tough job, but it also kind of needs to be an anonymous job, and for. 20 of the 30 years that Jeff Shreves was at Sky he was doing a grand job and I didn't know who he was I don't like you know? the, and then I, suddenly he's a big celebrity that. and he's part he's doing the on pitch things himself it's like oh we've got Jeff at the match today I, I disagree you know? with the uh, anonymous part no. I actually I, I, I hate now when interviews are done and it's an anonymous reporter asking the questions I love when it's like oh here's Tony O'Donoghue and Martin O'Neill mm. here's Jeff and whoever I hate when it's it shouldn't be about Jeff you know, though I suppose is you, the thing, I, I didn't feel he made it about himself overly there were times I would say again I thought that Sky it's just the way they started presenting things in general yeah uh, like you know the Neville Carragher era it's just everything is about the, I don't know maybe it's just a bit of fun and I'm being a weird old fogey but I, I do feel like they kind of just wanted everything to be about the sort of celeb aspect of it, you know? Like making big, like Martin Tyler's even and it's live thing. I don't think he used to say that, did he? He definitely didn't say it as a catchphrase back in the day. And it's just like, oh, does everything have to be so <laughs> planned? Does everything contrived. just have to be so contrived? Exactly. See, contrived I'm okay with the word. it's live thing if it's a really big game. The problem was it could be Newcastle against Brentford on a early Sunday kickoff. When the hell else? We've been having, we've had live football for like 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's live. I'm watching it. it was you could tell, you could tell <laughs> when you knew. time it's on every week, It was, Jeff, a, bit, it was a bit late in the day to start celebrating the live aspect. <laughs> yeah. And it's in colour. Yeah, I presume it was to incorporate the little break that Sky put in before the Oh games. yeah. It was like to let everyone know we're yeah. doing a little thing. But Please I mean, don't go away for 40 seconds sorry, again, if you don't I, be here. I loved everything about Tyler so I was... I'm a big I'm, Martin I'm Tyler fan. Sorry. And I picked a specific yeah. thing on him to talk about my non-plusless about Jeff Shreves I can't say either he's the, lo- he's the smallest loss in yes. the tree no I can't say either I'll be like God it's not the same without Shreves oh, yeah. I don't know Shreves is very good very good interviewer 
Very good. Like sometimes you can see in the reporter's silhouette when they're interviewing uh, a manager and they're furiously nodding as soon as the manager starts talking. It's like, please don't castigate me. Please don't give out to me here. Mm. I do not want to be humiliated. I, he never seemed to be bothered by that. And I don't think that changed when he became a bit known. Yeah. Maybe he needed to be a bit known for it to be, for him to have the confidence to get blasted. I thought, he, I, I, thought he, I thought he asked really good questions. I, I look forward to his uh, interview. Patrick Davison's quite good. Yeah. He, um, he has no problem taking on Jurgen Klopp. Problem when you do that is Klopp will lose time for you. Yeah. Des Kelly and Klopp had that period when yeah. they kept yeah. having half, 12 matches. But then Des Kelly more recently did get his armband signed. So yeah, I, I think like he's he overly familiar. Back. I think he's too overly. I think he's a bit like every time he interviews Jack Reed, he's his buddy. Come here after those three Davidson, Shreves, and Kelly. Who is the preeminent post match football interviewer in the UK? I don't feel there is one. Yeah, I don't know, like there's a lot of dull interviews, aren't there? Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's this guy put Shreves on all their big games. Really, like I want a bit of oomph in there. I I need. Okay, Shreves, fame is a curious commodity, but he had a bit of fame and a bit of oomph. So I felt that gave him a certain leverage to push back and to yeah. be part of a conversation instead of the nodding dog syndrome, which I think is what we get from the anonymous. Was it Gabriel Clark who used to do good before? Oh, ITV sorry, now we're talking. Champions League Gabriel Clark, what a voice! Yeah. Why do you think Sky are moving on? I don't know. I don't know. Like it seems, it seems like there's a desperation to move on for the last three or four years to freshen things up. But maybe they're just that. Maybe they are just ahead of the the time. And in, in, in like this, it does need to all of this happen eventually. And nobody ever thinks it's now. Mm. Um, and maybe you're better off getting the fresh voices. But even like it just, I don't know. I just feel like that they're lacking a little bit. Like, apparently, look, I mean, the whole world wanted them to sign Peter Drury. I don't, it shows you how many people are watching illegal streams <laughs> of the Premier League when everybody's going on about how great he's been on the world feed for however long. And they've got him. So, look, everybody has to be happy now. That's fine. But in terms of Jeff and the whole Soccer Saturday thing, I always thought Soccer Saturday worked. And I don't mind. I just don't know if you ever need, like, why did they always need to change it in one go or, mm. you know, get rid of everybody together? It was. It was there is an institution to it that's kind of just gone now. Jeff wouldn't have lasted forever, but I don't whether he was pushed or went himself. I don't think he would have went if things hadn't seemingly got so sour there well, for the, the last the re- years. The reporting seems to be he was offered less money and yeah. elected not to accept that. It's a Shreves now. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Oh, you meant Stelling. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, He's the only one with Jeff as first name only. Merson in that book talks about his first ever Soccer Saturday appearance, and uh, it was the one of his bad gambling spells. So he was like looking at his uh, accumulator and they threw to him for, he was doing some Hull game in the championship. They're like, Paul, what's happened? There's been a chance in the Hull game and he wasn't watching. Oh no. So he got a tap on the knee to be like, you're like, just, just make it up. So he was like, oh, there was a great chance you should have seen it. Oh my God, I can't even describe it. It was so good. Just went over though anyway. <laughs> and that was Soccer Saturday. Was, uh, if you described it as someone who hadn't seen it, they never watch it. Just a lot of lads talking about a match that you can't see yourself. Yeah. It worked. Also, Soccer I, Saturday I, I, or Soccer AM is a sad miss. No, no, come on. Oh, yeah, well come past on sell by day. Depends oh, on where you have been gone, gone 15 years. Column. They did a good job. They did a Column. good job. Long gone. Did so you watch it post-Lovejoy? Anytime uh, I flicked in. Did you watch it post-Lovejoy much? Yeah, every so often. Yeah. Oh, it, it was, it's the worst of what te- for, uh, sports television could be. What's mean? A banter fest. Like, just absolute nonsense. Just vacuous. Surprise Empty now. You. bullshit. I liked it on a Saturday morning. So what did you like about it at this stage? Uh, I liked uh, the presenter Fenners You liked Noel Gallagher Was on it every I two weeks uh, I wasn't I wasn't Madame Bullard 
because his novelty wore off very quickly. Yeah. Remember when he was a bit of a star in the yeah, mid yeah. to late 90s yeah, and they yeah. were like, well, we can cash in on this. But like, he's, he's already better on talk sports than he was in soccer game. Bullard is brilliant at doing the football demonstrations. I like that. Oh, but did you not just have this great sense of God, I'm watching something which is so oh, gone I, I was by watching something that was sell by date. Oh yeah. I know. You enjoyed being part of that, near, did you? It was nowhere near as good but I enjoyed it as part of a Saturday morning routine. What does Fenners bring to the party? He's very... Uh, composed as a presenter Jeez. Yeah. sign me what up they, what so are you, exciting what are, you, what are they talking about that you're interested in huh? what are they talking about did that they, you're interested in it's, it's more um, they don't even talk about see, football right, did, you see, did you see the last um, you did, obviously didn't see the last episode no. so Jack Whitehall was on it and they have like uh, a bit of a delay like about 5 or 10 seconds and there was about 3 or 4 silences inserted from whatever Whitehall said and that was all Fenner's interview style to get it out of him he says something a bit dodgy a bit of, oh, it's kind of interesting to have a Saturday morning we never got it's to hear it but of, yeah but it's a little bit of a riskiness to it and I like that <laughs> okay. I think it's easy to look down your nose at soccer because it went on for so long I think YouTube but killed it Colm it also you know it's part of this new rebrand from Sky or whatever they're doing and it's gone as so well so what, what is the new Sky do we know it's going to be I think social media heavy there's a there's a show on instead of that now where it's a load of fans basically oh, stop. and no. I think that's way worse than I soccer don't, I, the one thing I don't want to hear from on any of these shows yeah. is fans who wants to hear that? Fan TV about that. Ah, I know one of those emails talks about ours. But like, I mean, Jeez, can they not morons. just exist on YouTube for the people that want to That's watch what they're them? Doing. They're pushing that. Nobody's going to tune in to watch fans on See, Sky. I think they Saturday. will. Jeopardy they'll hate watch. Ah, no. they'll, that's what they want, the numbers. Yeah. Jeopardy will follower account. No chance. The novelty of all a dial. I don't think so either. I don't think it's Sky Sports News for the best part of an hour yesterday had just YouTubers on one after another. Yeah. yeah you know, that's very cheap television. I know, but if they, and they have done a couple of shows in this format as well, where they'll get fans into a studio, it'll be hosted by people who host fan channels already, it's banter, and you're just going to get the numbers by clipping stuff. It's a bit depressing, don't get me wrong. That's but Jamie, I think what kills... What are people with brains meant to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so what kills no, Graham, no, it's true. No, but it is true, though. Where was, true, like, the Sunday supplement used to be on. What was I love that, I love yeah. the Sunday. Where's, you should never have dropped that. Where's, that like, just normal conversation intelligent informed people a slight tangent no not, but not just be, fans and the brain thing not. isn't snobby there right I don't, that, I don't, it isn't I don't because they're not talking way. about anything they're not talking about anything they're just having fights for the sake of fights there's no actual nuanced discussion about football at any point in any of these things it's just idiots like the same people you get on Twitter who'd be like you know oh Man City did oh cry more and it's like that's the entire thing my only focus is my club are right, your club are wrong. You about the fan Nobody stuff? needs to yeah. see that. Fan stuff. Yeah. Nobody no, I, needs no, I that on television. Enjoy it, like. I don't enjoy it. I won't be tuning into that now. Oh, wait, okay. No, I'm saying that I think you think that that's the direction Sakurai M has a bit of production value to it at least, but if they're like replacing that, it with that, so you, it's definitely going downhill. So, but you think that's the direction they're going in and you agree with Will that it, it will do well numbers-wise? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. people. Oh, well, look, look, look at talk sports numbers as well. Like, If I'm in the minority, then I'm, I'm not agreeing. When I say numbers, like I don't like that I say that and that because it's true. Yeah. But it's not, you're not going to enjoy, you're not going to learn anything from it. You're definitely not learning anything here. No. That's the problem. But like people love a hate watch. Do you know people like, uh, they might have a trouble in their lives or whatever and they just want escapism and they're just like, I'm just going to get angry at this. I'm going to take my anger out in this clip and hate watch it and throw a comment in there. You're not selling that to me. I was going to say, it's anything. a great business model, isn't it? Like hopefully people will hate us enough to watch well, it. I guess, yeah. Or just hateful stuff. Fox has done very well from the old hate. Yeah. Um, they're trying lads. to put themselves on the side of the things That's, on the side of you as you no, hate the you, world the fans will be appealing to other fans uh, lads long time listener uh, second timer anyway love the show and this segment especially a question for the ASTT team 
I inserted two T's there, sorry. I know. <laughs> Where do you stand on sporting SH1T housery? In the wake of the Aussie player bowling Bairstow out, as he's fully entitled to do by the rules of the book, I think it's a great example of it. And I have to say, I'm in favour of it. I hate unwritten rules in sport. Either it's in the rule book or it's not. And if you fall foul of such SH1T housery, pun intended, tough SH1T. And he goes on to say, this, this email has been difficult for me to read. <laughs> very, very caring just, email. Just it, it, uh, I would much rather my sports people, as a final thought, play to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of some unwritten rule which they're supposed to abide by. Uh, what do the AST team think? Love the show, John. Couldn't agree more. Really? Unwritten rules. No, there should be no such thing as sportsmanship. Like, I will, I'll go back on myself. I did think that time when Overmars pounced on the ball back in the late 90s. Oh, the Sheffield United. Like, that is, I don't know if, I, to be fair, I don't know if that's a written rule. No, it isn't. Okay, well then I thought, yeah, that, I, <laughs> I'm coming back on myself a little bit. I, I, I think that was a touch. Uh, the, there is a real unwritten rule there. I don't know where I stand on player going down injured and opposition ignoring that player. I think in the main, I don't mind it. No, I don't mind that either. I, th- I think it depends on what it is. Yeah. So what? What are there other examples of this cricket business? What's the, what's the parallel with what he did? Because I didn't think what he did was that wrong. Well, Go on. this is where it comes though. This no, is where it's a, this is where the letter. This is actually one of the best examples ever because okay. there was an awful lot of kind of what aboutery, uh, you know, of like from the Auss- Aussies mainly on, you know, look at this is what Berstow did yesterday because he's a wicket keeper as well. Can I just say? Yeah. I don't know if I felt that was what a battery. I thought, well, that's a good point. That's pretty okay. damning. Okay, no, fair enough. <laughs> like, except I just thought it was a different circumstance. I really did. I thought okay. it was more within the play. And people, like, it's, it's a fair, like, without I, getting into I specifics. I wouldn't appreciate that. It's because it was the last ball of the over. Without getting into specifics, kind of. Yeah. But it's also, like, it is a fair thing for a wicketkeeper to try and stump a batter who stands out of his crease. So as part of your shot or whatever, you might go down the ground a little bit and it's your job to get back. Like, that's absolutely part of the game. And some would say this is part of the game. And most, I've started to, like, I mean, Owen Morgan was on when they showed the clips of the, uh, you know, the Lord's crazies screaming at the, at the Aussie players, which was one of those mad things. And he goes, and he goes, they're just showing a fundamental misunderstanding of the game. He was stumped. And it was actually, it was incredibly strong stuff from Morgan. Morgan, especially kind of going against the English side of it. And so that's that's mainly what I think. From my point of view, I think that he stood around, he marked he marked the thing and walked away. He did it way too early. It was clumsy. Yeah. But he wasn't trying to get a run. There was no chance that he was actually going to gain from it at all. And there was opportunism there and got him out. And by the letter of the law, absolutely. But I just don't think, do you need that stuff in sport? Like, is that is that how you want to win games? And that's the way I want to say people just like everything I think more and more comes down to bottom line. Mm. We won, you didn't. Right? And that's fair. That's the way it is. I still maybe have an old-fashioned romanticism to me that I think there'd be nothing wrong with saying this isn't how we do it. Mm. That's just not cricket, okay. old boy. Okay. I, 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 that's an, you make a very um, strong point. I think if I'm the Australian captain, I would have turned around to the umpires and said, look, it was clear the over was complete. Yeah. Let's just continue on. Okay. Um, but it's interesting that the reaction in Australia very much is the score is 2-0 now, England. Take that. And I saw Dominic Cork, the former England player on Sky Sports yesterday, and he was saying, yesterday, cricket died. Wow. That is the reaction there has been but in like, England. What's the point of the rule book if it's not all-encompassing? Just have <sighs> the rule book or don't, you know? Not this, like, responsibility on players to make moral judgments. Yeah. It's one of those very strange ones, Joe, though, where genuinely, I think the feel is that the play has gone dead and the over... No, I, I, listen, I get it. I, especially, I get like, when he marks his territory with 
with his foot. He's given no indication that he's trying to take a cheap run. Also, the ball is carried through to the wicketkeeper. So I think most people would accept that as the play has finished. Let's just change the pitch around and get ready for the next over. I would not blame the Australians at all, by the way, for seizing the moment and trying to take a wicket. But I just wonder if you put your hands up at that point and say, this isn't quite cricket, is it? You're Paolo Di Canio catching the ball. I was, I was literally Little just... Bit, yeah. By the way, that ball was too high for him to I do was, anything. Oh, <laughs> I know, with Miles Oh my God, I was, uh, I was literally about to say <laughs> the most <laughs> overrated Ball <laughs> SH1 to you, I the said. most overrated example of sportsmanship. It's a joke. Everyone was like, oh, he was definitely going to score. It was a tap-in. He was yeah. like 12 yards out was with well two Everton there. players around him. was behind him. And there was, no, there was no pace in that ball. And then Harry up afterwards, I could have killed him. What was he going to do with it? Like, like he might have yeah. got his head to it. And that's the other side. That's sportsmanship for the Hollywood side of it. Did Robbie yeah. Fowler catch one as well? He missed a penalty on purpose. That's the one, yeah. Uh, uh, that's when McAteer... No, McAteer tapped it in. Oh no, he didn't McAteer, miss it on purpose. McAteer, Somebody, he no, told no, the ref it wasn't He told the ref it wasn't a penalty. Oh, yeah. And, and then he happened the to miss it, yeah. It was against Arsenal. In his book, he was like, I didn't try to miss, I tried to score. Uh, well, and McAteer scored the rebounder. Somebody else missed a penalty on purpose, which I can't quite think okay. of now. But, um, I'll tell you a really sorry, good I, example. I would just say, as a riposte to my, I, I, I don't have a great problem with the, not obeying the spirit of the law. Uh, I do love a bit of sportsmanship at the same time. Mm. It's a beautiful thing to see. I just not, I'm not having to candy I'll give you a great example of it. Do you remember Leeds and Villa played in the championship the year Villa got promoted? They were under a 10 in a row win, and Leeds got a really. I can't even remember what happened. I think it was Villa player down, head injury, something. Leeds got a goal that they shouldn't have, and Villa were going mad, and Bielsa went mad about it and told. Leads to let Villa score from the tip off, and the only player who didn't want to do it was Pontus Janssen. What's his name? Pontus Janssen. Mm, yeah. And Pontus Janssen like desperately tried to tackle the player as everybody else let him through. And I think it was uh, Ona- Onama who scored, and Janssen was like on the ground banging his fists. Janssen <laughs> so, was spying on Derby at the same time. Sure, geez, like, but he was so no, but in the moment, in the moment, like, whether yeah. he's right or wrong, also, you know it I was a brilliant that, thing of sportsmanship. When Bielsa did a presentation example. of what he had found. Well, it wasn't against the rules at the time. It was brilliant. And he laid out exactly what he'd done. There was a weird dignity to the whole debacle. Um, pretty much out of time. The whole thing just reminds me of uh, Frank Lampard singing his own chant when they beat <laughs> <laughs> <in> the <sky. laughs> Do you remember there was a chant about Frank Lampard after they beat Leeds and Lampard was in the dressing room in the circle, in the middle of the circle with everybody covered in champagne, singing his own chant. Do you know what I wanted to talk to you guys about? Can we do, can we, um, it's, it is a way after the fact, but I was, I'm, yes, the extra. don't give me your um, opinions now, but I do want to get your sense of the Jack Grealish celebrations after the Champions League final. Um, I'm just curious. I think there's something really interesting in that we'll have you back again. Oh, no, because I'm not going to. I'm not going to be back. Like so, um, <laughs> come here. Um, He's come here. No, uh, we got it. Go Quickly, on. give me your thirty I seconds. I absolutely loved it, and I thought more of this, please. Okay. Because he had done all the work, Fair and now have a good time. Yeah. And it was brilliant. We'll discuss uh, if it was I professional. Think very likable next week. So if he was a more peripheral figure for the season, you wouldn't have enjoyed him going on the terrace. Uh, oh, interesting. I don't think the camera would have been anywhere near him if he was so. Peripheral. Well, there's that too. Yeah. Uh, there are several emails I really want to get to and didn't. We will do that potentially next week at some stage in the next ah, couple of weeks. Those emails weren't good enough, they're gone. No, there was a very good one. Uh, for instance, Dear Dr. O'D in the Tangent 3. Oh, that's far too catchy. <laughs> that's very good. Steady. Long time, first time. Yeah. As I sit completely bored, someone wrote this mid-game, as I sit completely bored and frustrated watching Arma Manon. By the way, I watched Arma Manon with two people who never watched GA. And midway, they never, they never <laughs> midway, midway through the second half, they were like, "I've gone. This is it. What is this?" <laughs> yeah, couldn't get their head around yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. like by the time we got to penalties, they were both saying, "I don't want either of these teams to win." 
It was amazing already. insight to watch. The, they were like, this has just been an insult to people. Yeah. The pain, yeah. Go, like the pain Yeah, football can be dire. Yeah. Wait, you we're out of time now. Sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> yeah, you, you said 30 <laughs> seconds What's this I can, yeah. I can yeah. still be talking about Jack Reed. As, as I sit completely bored and frustrated watching Iron Man Monaghan, I noticed a lone crisp packet flutter across the grass. <laughs> I noticed it as well. I forgot this. And it got me thinking, what is the best or most significant non-human intervention on a field, course or ring of play? The Liverpool beach ball and the international rules dog are two that come to mind but surely I've forgotten something I'll continue to think of more interesting things than this scudder they call football Keen in minute uh, Stan Collymore took a shot against Tim Flowers and it hit a divot, divot yeah. and Scoop it up, was yeah. beautiful because okay. I think Collymore turned away in disgust went over <laughs> Flowers' uh, edge yeah. what yeah. about the time when uh, the New England Patriots scored a touchdown against the Buffalo Bills and in the end zone was waiting a large dildo Class. I didn't see that coming. Wasn't there an alligator and our crocodile who took a ball on the fairway? Oh, Happy Gilmore. They're all the golfers go up and hit yeah. the alligators on the tail all the time. Like for a, a, a kind of a group of sports people, not renowned for physical bravery, yeah. <laughs> they don't seem to be afraid of gators. They've got a stick. No, they go up in their hand and tap yeah, them. Yeah, you that. stick it into YouTube now and just search golfer alligator. You'll see professional golfers looking, you know, like fairly unimpressive specimens walking up a fairway. There's an alligator there. They'll jog up behind. Give the old gator a pass. Your hand when you've got a wedge in your hand. Just no, they, they just seem that. to not be afraid of them. And then the, the gators sky, straight into the water, gone. These guys are probably growing up in the southern United States. They're, they're, they're the better of the two. Florida folk. We're so over time. Sorry. Um, Willow Callahan, thank you very much. Cheers. Michael McCarthy, thank you. Thanks. Colin Buick, what a triumph. What a triumph. What a triumph. Thanks very much. Excellent. Thanks for Marks out of 10 to add a slight tangent to ball.com. <laughs> two. Okay, we're done. <laughs> two. Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now.